This is Neil Wooten, and you're listening to Sylvania Stories. We kick off our first episode with someone who can call Sylvania her alma mater, her former workplace, and her home. She's also the mother of three SHS graduates, and she's worn many hats across the decades. She's been a senior sponsor, yearbook sponsor, newspaper sponsor, chorus sponsor, senior play sponsor. Well, you get the idea here. But more than a generation of students know her as the English teacher they called Ms. Putnam. So stay with us as we finally get things off the ground on our podcast and have a conversation with Jan Stevens about the town, the school, and the people of Sylvania, Alabama. You went to Sylvania School. You're a graduate. Mm-hmm. You then taught at Sylvania. Yes. You have children who went to Sylvania, graduated from Sylvania. Mm-hmm. You have children who were on sports teams at Sylvania. Yes. A child who was in the band at Sylvania. Mm-hmm. And then you have a child who came back and taught at Sylvania and was a football coach at Sylvania. Yes, and I had grandchildren that went to school there. There's probably some people that sort of fit that, but then on top of that, you have the additional experience of that you moved away and came back, which also gives a different perspective of of growing up, you know, in Sylvania and then leaving and coming back. There could not be a better person to start with because of that history and that breadth. 1948, am I right? Yes. Born in 1948? I was. March 8th. Did you go to Henninger or did you go to Sylvania to start? I went to High Point and I had Miss Emma Hales that my father also had as a first grade teacher. And all of my siblings had the same lady. My point was one through eight. And uh, when I started in the first grade, I could read already. So they thought I was a genius, which was not true. But they put me in the second grade. So I actually graduated in, in May after turning 17 in March. So I went eight years or seven years to High Point. I went to Sylvania okay. in the ninth grade. Went to High Point. Came to Sylvania. So you came to Sylvania when you were 13? Yes, I was 13 in the ninth grade. So you would have been 15 when Kennedy was shot. Is that right? 63? Do you have any memory from being 15 of when Kennedy was shot? Yes, absolutely. I think everyone does. I was in the cafeteria having lunch when it came over the speaker. and, um, And I had to go to American history class. And we, of course did away with everything in American history, and talked about Kennedy. Yes, I remember it well. Do you remember the emotions you had? Horrified. I was horrified and brokenhearted and uh, watched, stayed glued to the TV set, as did my parents, for the entire thing. And on Sunday, Dad and I stayed home from church because I had a sinus infection, and we saw Jack Ruby kill Lee Harvey Oswald on the TV. And talk about that. How did, what was the effect of seeing that? Especially considering that you didn't see live TV as much right. at that time. Well, my father was um, a historian, too. I mean, he, he loved history and, and politics and everything. 
And we were, we were both just brokenhearted, and we realized that the mystery would never be solved. That was the first thing we talked about. They'll never figure out if Leo Harvey Oswald actually did kill Kennedy. And my whole family was brokenhearted. But one of the things um, that uh, one of my students always mentions when she sees me is, you always had a picture of John Kennedy on your wall. I did. I don't know what happened to it, but it, yes, the whole time I was at Sylvania, I had JFK on my wall. Was it just hanging? It was a picture. On the side? It was yeah. a big picture, like an eleven by fourteen. So you're fifteen when Kennedy is assassinated. So then that puts you as almost like in the sweet spot for being a baby boomer, in terms oh, yes. of that you were then you know fifteen and sixty three. Mm -hmm. You know, then you're. 16 to 64, you know, you're 21 in 1969 in that tumultuous year. So talk about when you graduated, what year did you graduate? I graduated in 1965, and um, that was the first year that Northeast was open. It had just been built. And so I was in the very first class at Northeast. I was student number 80. I would have been one or two, but my cousin and I got there early and they realized right away that we were workers and they put us to work registering people. So we actually didn't get to register till later on. So you went to Northeast two years? I only went a year. That was during Vietnam, if you remember correctly. And I was young and stupid, so I got married. Um, it, I was still 17, almost 18 because um, my boyfriend was going into the service, which that happened a lot back then. And But I went a year. I went ahead and finished a whole year before moving to Texas with him. What did you do in Texas? When I went to, we lived in Fort Worth, and he was at Carswell Air Force Base, and we lived across the street from what was the home office of Montgomery Ward at the time. And I got a job working a proof machine. I'd never worked any kind of IBM machine. And I got a job working in IBM proof machine. And I did that uh, for a couple of years uh, when he was born during that time at the Air Force Base. And um, so when I was in Texas, that's what I did. I ran a IBM proof machine. We came back in um, 1969. Uh, my husband went overseas and Wendy and I moved in with my sister in Fort Payne. And I worked at a finance company. I did all the insurance and the bookkeeping. And then when she was um, five, getting ready to start to school, I realized that I did not have any clue what kind of teacher she was going to have. And it scared me. And I thought, okay, I've, I've, I've needed to go back to school. I want to go back to school. And I made the decision to do that. It was hard. It was a sacrifice. And I worked really hard. I finished three years of, of, well, I finished another year at Northeast. And then I did two years at Jacksonville State in one year. I did wow. two years of college in one year and graduated in 1977. What was the, what was the title of the degree? What was it? It was a, it was a BS in uh, edu secondary education with a, a double major in English and history. And I had, worked, uh, I had worked at Sylvania for a year. When I decided to go back to school, I knew I couldn't work until uh, 5 o'clock every day. Had to be close to home. So I went to work at Sylvania in the office as a secretary. And uh, typed a lot of tests and did a lot of stuff like that while going to Northeast. So I've really been in several different capacities at Sylvania. 
my mother was the uh, elementary uh, library aide, and she helped me a lot my first year there. She she helped me with bulletin boards. She taught me how to do the register, and and it was back then it was very very complicated. And your aunt Rhonda told me um, at the funeral home one day that mother taught her how to do the register. <laughs> And what comes next? This is 1977. 1977. I graduated in August, and I was pregnant. That was a big surprise. And um, Weldon Parish hired me because I had done that year as a secretary there, and I had typed many papers for him and Betty when they were in graduate school, and he knew I was proficient. So he hired me, me pregnant and all. He hired me. That was in 1977, the fall of 1977. I had seventh grade and one eighth grade and two ninth grades. So I had three lesson plans and big classes back then. I was so grateful to have a job that, you know, it was fine. Was it fall of 77? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Teaching junior high English and three three preps. So it's the first first full year then at Sylvania for, for teaching was the academic year 77 to 78. 78, yes. Mm-hmm. Taught there for how many years? 21 years. And I also taught at the same time. They kept moving me around. So I taught actually every grade 7 through 12 at Sylvania at some time or other. And then I also taught at Northeast at night for seven years. When did you start teaching at Northeast as well? 1990 or 1989 maybe. I'm not sure. But I taught. I carried a full load sometimes at Northeast while teaching a full load at Sylvania. So one time I was teaching Macbeth, I was teaching Hamlet to my AP class, and I was teaching um, The Tempest at Northeast all at the same time. What classes were you teaching at Northeast? Whatever they assigned me. It was usually 101 or 102 English or maybe both. American Lit 1 and 2 and English Lit 1 and 2. I never knew from time from one time to the next what I'd be teaching. I know in the 80s, you got involved with the drama yes. at Northeast. I don't know how they, I don't know if they called it a, it wasn't a drama, because it was a community effort. It wasn't just for mm-hmm. students. It, it was, was community theater. Community theater. Uh, they used students and gave scholarships for students. And the, those students did a lot of building sets and things like that. But they also uh, tried out for parts. Yes. I got involved in that in the um, 80s. Five, I think maybe. Uh, Oklahoma was the first thing I did. And then I did that for several years and then ended up doing theater at um, at Gorham's Bluff, too, for a couple of years, remember, three years or maybe. I remember you doing Steel Magnolias. Yes, yes. Uh, and ble- I played Bloody Mary in South Pacific. It was fun, taxing, but fun. There was typically the tradition of sort of doing a senior play. Yes. And when did you start Getting involved with that, when did it sort of taper off in your memory? Uh, well, let's see. I did theater at you know myself when I was in high school because we had tenth grade play back then and an eleventh grade play, and and it eventually evolved into twelfth grade a senior play that Miss Grizel did for years there at Sylvania, and then when Mrs. Grizel retired, she asked me if I would take over the senior doing the senior play. I started uh, when I started teaching seniors. In 1985, I think, that's when I took over um, the, the senior play. And we did a lot of a lot of drama. We did a couple of musicals. Um, 
uh, the last thing we did, which I was very proud of, was Little Abner. And we did three three performances of Little Abner, and it was a big, big smash. It was a good way to go out. I did it all those years, and all my children performed in in the in the plays. And uh, then I don't know when it died out after I left. When all I know is when my when I moved back here and my children, my grandchildren were in school there. They didn't have it anymore. It was sad. I also did the chorus, if you remember. That's right. I was about to ask. You <laughs> I about did the chorus well. before I did the senior plays, and we did a lot of um, concerts. We usually did um, a fall patriotic one, we did a Christmas one, and we did a spring concert. That was fun. Now, when it came to the the band, marching and concert band, mm-hmm. you were more of a, a band parent, basically, than as mm-hmm. Wendy was coming through. Yes. Or what, did you also were you involved in some ways with the band supporting otherwise or no? Well, no. Um, I may have served as an officer at one time, you know, but I was just basically a band parent when Wendy was in the band and she was in Winter Guard. So I traveled a lot with her doing Winter Guard, but I was basically just a band parent. I have so many other things. And meanwhile, John and Matt were probably at that time also doing football, mm-hmm. basketball. Were they also doing baseball? Yes, they were. Uh, the kids were always doing some kind of sport. So we were you know, having to divide up and, and try to get them where they needed to be. And sometimes I would go to work in the morning and be there at 7 and not get home till 9 o'clock at night from the school. Um, I graded papers sitting in the car. I graded papers sitting on the bleachers. I almost got hit at a baseball game because I was grading an essay and a ball was hit and somebody grabbed me and pulled me over or I would have been hit with a baseball. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you do what you have to do. Yeah, but it is interesting that you made me realize that, that it's like you had this, you could call it a sweet spot or you could call it a nightmare, <laughs> that you had this time when when you would have had Wendy and band, mm-hmm. and it was Wendy also in chorus? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you had Wendy and band in chorus, yes. then you're leading probably chorus, mm-hmm. you're teaching a you know, full load, then you potentially may have at some point even been involved with community theater over at Northeast. And then you also have, you know, John and Matt who were probably doing, you know, you know, I don't even know what age they would have been at that time, probably in elementary school, school, elementary school, football, basketball, baseball. Right. So you, you definitely had, as you said, you may have been showing up at Sylvania at seven o'clock. And then I would even bet there were times with certain things with, if you were occasionally doing the, you know, where I know the teachers rotated on at basketball games and at football oh, games, yeah. working the concession stand or taking up tickets, et cetera. Absolutely. You potentially could have been at school until 10 o'clock. Yes, yes. On days when there were uh, basketball games that I had to work at, yes. Yeah. Because I was a PTO. I was president of the PTO a couple of times, too. So we always did the basketball concession and the football concession. That's so. right. Yeah, I don't know. I was crazy. (laughs) It was a crazy time. (laughs) It was probably exhausting, but at the same time, was it gratifying to be involved in that many different facets of of life in Sylvania? It was. And then it made, I'm assuming it would make you feel such a part of the community that you were, that you did have a hand in so many different areas of the community. It did make me feel a part of it. And I hope, basically, I know this sounds cliche, but. I always wanted the kids to have as many experiences, not just my children, but the kids at Sylvania. I wanted them 
to be just as smart and, you know, just as prepared as someone who went to a, a big name private school. I mean, I couldn't do it by myself, but I wanted them to have experiences. I right. took them to the Shakespeare Festival. That was something I did every year. And, you know, other things to, to Northeast and places for the experiences. They sometimes went to D.C., sometimes went to New York. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you probably chaperoned that a time or two. Well. I took some kids um, to uh, D.C. one year, and they were in the ninth and 10th grade and almost lost my mind because I'm such a mother hen, and I made everybody, everybody was assigned a number the first day. So every time we got on the tour bus, every, I called them my chickens, and I'd say, okay, I want to hear your number, and they would say, four, and they would be so tired, you know. But I did that because I felt such a responsibility for keeping up with them. Were you ever involved with junior, senior prom? Oh, yes. I was a sponsor many years junior, senior prom, um, when I took over 11th grade, which I taught eight years, um, I had junior, senior prom every year, uh, the planning of it. And so that was that was a big deal. And your aunt was a sponsor with me in some of those years. Uh, so I did that for a lot of years, yes. Lots of preparation goes into that. And then, of course, we're forgetting one other thing, your book and newspaper. Your book and newspaper, oh my goodness. Uh, yes, I took the yearbook over, and it was um, it was very traditional, you know, and and it remained that till you came along and and helped. To, we did all those creative things, and I remember the mess up with the photos, and they were turned out in black and white, and you did those spot color things, and we won an award for that, and that was just so innovative. Um, I took the uh, the yearbook to a new level, I thought. You look at movies and TV and the way that the 60s are depicted, looking back at yourself of how you viewed yourself and what you were interested in, what you were tracking, so to speak, with what was going on in society, et cetera. Talk a little bit about that. Okay. So when I was in high school, I was aware of what was going on because my father was such a a news person, you know. So we knew about the rioting, and we knew about Selma, and we knew about Birmingham, and we knew about all that. But it was like uh, living in an alternative world because we didn't see any of that around here, you know. We, we There were no blacks out here. My father worked in Chattanooga. He was foreman at U.S. Pot, and he had a lot of black people who worked under him, and he was always fair-minded, and, you know, he, he never— said the N-word, but that was not allowed in our house. And But it was, it was like you knew it was going on, but it didn't really affect you, except the Vietnam War did, because so many of our the people, boys that I knew, ended up there, and some of them died. So that was a reality. But like I said, it was like being in an alternative world. We were in our, our, our little naive part of the world. And I didn't really, uh, I wasn't really exposed to it until I went to Texas. I saw my first first flower child when I was in Texas at the zoo one day. And I, I was like, oh my goodness, that's what a hippie looks like, you know. But it was, it was not a part of my world, yeah, except so- for here, seeing on TV, right. you know. But we were aware, and, um, and Dad talked to us. All the time. Sometimes I, I, I thank him, and sometimes I want to scold him for raising us to be smart girls because sometimes smart girls are not appreciated, you know. But he taught us to be fair-minded and 
to, you know, treat everybody with respect, but to look for the truth. And so then when the 70s, um, it was weird. The 70s were weird. The music was great. But they were, you know, there were lots of things going on too politically, you know, riots and things like that. And there, the the pill culture when people were just starting to delve into all the drugs. I mean, that started in the '60s. I realized that, but the '70s were full of it. And then you had Roe versus Wade, and you had women's lib, all of that in the '70s. And and it was such a transitional time for us. I remember when I first started to work, we couldn't wear slacks. We had to wear dresses, and in school, we couldn't wear slacks. You had to wear dresses. It got kind of cold sometimes, you know, in the winter. But um, but then before before the 70s were over, it had changed. You could wear slacks. And, and it was a, a time for women to step up. There were more women in the workforce, and, um, and then they had child care to deal with. Lots of problems for women, and women didn't get paid on an equal basis, and they still don't. I, I remember I worked at, when I worked at the finance company, I did a little bit of everything. I, my days were so full, and yet I didn't make near what my boss made. 1963, we talked about Kennedy being assassinated. Mm. That's also the same era as the Beatles. So what, oh, yes. music, what music did you listen to? Did you like the Beatles? In the 60s when you were in high school, what did you listen to? I loved the Beatles. I thought they were phenomenal. I just, I loved their music. Um, but there was such a variety, uh, not so much country. I didn't listen to a lot of country back then, but um, I liked, uh, I liked Elvis. I loved um, the, the Letterman. That was really my sister's era. But see, I had an older sister who was in the, the very first rock and roll people. So that had a big influence on me. Um, I tended to like groups, you know, a lot. I loved Buddy Holly, the Drifters, and the Temptations, and the Supremes, you know, typically all, all those. So when it transitioned into the 70s, who were some of your favorite artists in the 70s? Uh, well, the Eagles, uh, number one, uh, and Dan Fogelberg. I liked uh, Linda Ronstadt. I think she might have been 80s, though. And Chicago started in the 70s, too. What can you remember in terms of, you know, being in high school at Sylvania? You know, the movies that you saw that kind of stand out as ones that you watched. Where would you go to the movies? We went to the drive-in mostly in Hamilton, drive-in. And that's where all your friends went. So you socialized, you know, you sat, you pulled your car up beside them and, you know, you had your speakers and everything. Uh, we always saw the Doris Day uh, movies and um, James Bond came in during that time. Uh, I remember going to Chattanooga to watch The Sound of Music when it first came out. That was a big deal. Um, and we went to the drive, I mean, to the DeKalb Theater also. At anything that was on, we didn't care what it was because we didn't have many things to do. Where did you hang out? How would you spend your weekends or how would people spend their weekends? We didn't mostly. I mean, we did like, usually we had a date on usually Saturday night. You had a date. So you would see your friends then. And then you hung out with your your church friends on Sunday. But, you know, there there really wasn't the kind of hanging out that people do because we lived in a rural area. We, you know, we did go to ball games a lot. That's what I was going to ask. Yes. Football and basketball and baseball games mm -hmm. were important. I had an older sister who liked who liked me. <laughs>
and I'd tag along with her. And so I went to football, her football games. I went to all the basketball games. You know, she took me everywhere. She yeah. bought my majorette boots and my baton. And, and she, you know, she she helped me a lot. So you were a majorette in band at yes, Sylvania? Yes, I was. Okay. Yes, I was head majorette. Well, they call it drum major was, now. That's yeah. the other thing I was going to ask is what you were, what activities you were involved with at school. Yes, I did. I was band. Um, and I, I, I did really well in band. I went to Allstate and... I uh, played the B flat clarinet, and but I had been I had grown up with music. My family was musically inclined, and I had gone to summer. I mean, to singing school every summer, all summer long, practically at night, with my sister who played the piano, and she wanted me to go with her. So it wasn't such a lonely little thing for her. So if you go that much and you like to sing, you learn how to read music really well, and that helped me a lot. And then concert band, and I loved to, to play my clarinet. Oh, that was a big deal. And then I sang. We had a, a little uh, singing group at school. Uh, we competed in the um, uh, FHA thing, and we got a standing ovation. And we were from a little bitty school, you understand. But our band director had worked with us, and there were four of us, and we, we sang four-part harmony, and, um, and I, I, we sang Get Along Home, Cindy, Cindy. People got up and and were standing up, and we were like horrified because we didn't. We're terrified, it's more like it. But you know, where was that? Where did that take place? Jacksonville State. So, so yeah. it's a statewide competition. Well, you. it was a. It wasn't not so much competition as it was just a statewide meeting. Got it. But but we were the talent, you know, from DeKalb County. So got it. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting. We sang at prom. Some of us. It was fun. I always sang, you know, with somebody or other. You become a teacher at Sylvania in 77. Mm-hmm. You're there for how many years again? 21. 21 years. Mm-hmm. If you're there in 77 and you're there through the entire 80s, mm-hmm. and you talked a little bit about the dress code a minute ago, <laughs> that means you were at Sylvania when Sylvania got air conditioning. Do you Finally. Remember, do you remember when Sylvania got air conditioning? I don't remember the year, but uh, I remember lots of summers when you'd almost melt in the in the heat, it was it was terrible, and um, it, getting air conditioning was one of the major things at Sylvania. That was awful. But we had the um, I don't know what kind of heat they have now. Really, they I don't know if they still have those old radiators or not. They do. I don't know. I don't I'm know. not sure. But uh, I remember in the winter, even when I was in high school, they would turn, they would fire those radiators up, and then about ten o'clock they would turn them off. And it would be so hot till about 10 o'clock that you couldn't stand it. And then by the time school's out, you had to wear your coat. And, and teaching in that environment. It's a wonder we didn't all stay sick, but we didn't. <laughs> I also can remember that it would also depend on where you were in the school, of how hot your room was versus not. You know, right. Like if you faced the sun for a good amount of time, then it was really going to be boiling. But you might survive till school was out because it was still rather, you know, warm enough. Exactly. On the other (laughs) side, it's a different story. So a couple of things I even remember from the 80s, I remember there was a time when the pipes ruptured. (laughs) And you got out of school usually when when that happened. So the pipes had ruptured, and and we were out, I think, for, I don't remember, it was more than a day Mm -hmm. because of that. And I guess it was because they had... I guess the heat had been maybe turned off, and then I don't know if that would have been a weekend or a holiday weekend, and then it was cold. I guess the pipes froze and burst. I don't, I don't know. 
Well, I know this is going back. We were talking about John Kennedy, but uh, in 1960, when he was elected, I was, um, or when he was inaugurated, I was at High Point. And, uh, of course, we didn't have television. We, we didn't have anything at High Point. But the, about a half a mile down the road, they had television. And my entire class, well, well, it wasn't very many, like 10. We walked down there to watch the inauguration in January. I, it was just a big deal. Robert Frost read a poem. That's a good memory. The good one, I mean, certain things in your life stand out, you know. Talking about the pipes having burst. burst. <laughs> I think that we actually were out of school because of that when the space shuttle exploded. Oh, I'll never forget that. Um, that was um, 1986, and we were out of school. It was a snow day. I'm not sure if it was because of the pipes burst or just a snow day. But I was watching it from, I was at Mother's, and uh, Wendy and I were getting ready to go um, to uh, see someone about uh, her routine for Junior Miss, because she was Junior Miss. And um, I had taken a, I was taking a day off anyway. But we saw it on TV when it happened. We were watching. I don't know why those things. I was watching um, Good Morning America when the Twin Towers were hit. I, I always seem to be watching things when they happen. Your last year at Sylvania is what year? Uh, 97. Okay. okay. Mm. Still, yep. Still uh, the year I, I, I said I taught 21, I actually taught 20 years and I was a secretary one year. So that was 21 years I was at Sylvania. So you leave in 97? Mm -hmm. In the summer of 97, I left and went to Hazel Green High School. Huge school, 6A school from 3A school, yes. What was that experience like? It was interesting. I had um, all the college prep 12th grade, and then they would throw in um, a group that hadn't passed the graduation exam. So I, mostly I had those contradictory groups. Talk to me about the June Jam and about, I know it didn't happen in Sylvania, that it happened in Fort Payne, mm -hmm. however, it was such a big event and a big moment in the history of the county that mm -hmm. you couldn't live in DeKalb County without being affected by June Jam. So Absolutely. tell me what you remember about June Jam. Uh, I loved Alabama's music. I still do. Um, and it was just, it was a, the biggest thing around here to happen. And it brought a lot of attention to our beautiful area, brought a lot of people who came and decided to come and live here. But the June Jam um, was, uh, everybody was involved uh, in some way. I, I mean, I wasn't directly involved, but they gave um, money to like the bands and things like that in the counties. So uh, a lot of the kids I knew worked at the June Jam. Wendy may have worked at the June Jam. I can't remember. I went to the June Jam once and it was, uh, it, we, we stood in line forever to get in. They checked every, all your bags, everything, and um, and I loved the concert. But by the time I got home that night, I was sunburned and uh, just over it. You know, I thought I'll you know I'll watch them on TV, listen to them on the radio. But <laughs> but um, it, I decided it was for a younger generation than I was at that time. My kids went, 
the boys went up until, I mean, the last one, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure Matt and John went. They did a lot for for the county. And I think we're all proud of Alabama. I know when you're NEA, we, um, our delegation sang My Homes in Alabama to the delegation that was next door to us, which was, I think, Pennsylvania, maybe. But they, they said they listened. We sang every day. I mean, we were all Southerners, so all, it's about all Southerners can sing. And we, every day we would end our meeting with a, a song. And they said they had loved it so much, so we invited them in the last day. And we sang my homes in Alabama for them. In 2011, when the tornado hit, mm. where were you in 2011? I was living in Hollywood at the time, um, dodging tornadoes. And I knew that a tornado had hit, and I was devastated because so many of my relatives lived out here, and so many of my former students and friends lived out here. And, uh, and I knew some of the people who, who died in the tornado, and it was really sad. Just devastation. I remember maybe a week afterwards, I drove through High Point, my old community, and if I hadn't known the community, I wouldn't have recognized it. That everything was gone. There were no buildings. It was awful. You know, um, when Matt came back to teach, I don't remember what year it was, but there were, he taught children in high school who had been through that tornado and they were still traumatized. And they would tell him, you know, on that day what they did and how they don't know how they made it out alive and just all kinds of stories. He said they were still traumatized that many years later. The church I grew up in was destroyed. And then when they built it back, they built it back smaller because not as many people go as you, you know. It's, it was an older church and died out kind of. So it's a much smaller church than it was when I went. But it's just sad. You told the story about grading papers and almost getting hit by oh, a, yes. a ball. <laughs> is there anything else that you remember about sporting events, whether it's a specific game or whether it's, you know, something that you particularly enjoyed about a certain sporting event that was always kind of a fixture of an event? I just remember uh, when I was in high school in the band and it, football, I mean, it was king. And I don't know about now, but, but there wasn't, wasn't that much to do otherwise. So Friday nights, the, the, the old football field over there, you know, behind the school, it was, it was jam-packed. And they didn't, we didn't have nice bleachers or anything. But um, we were so proud of our teams. And, and our band was bigger and um, enthusiastic. We marched in with such enthusiasm. You know, there's just a lot of enthusiasm. The band was very enthusiastic. We were the number one cheerleaders, besides the cheerleaders, for, for the football team, you know. And uh, the enthusiasm was just alive. And I, I loved all sports, and I loved basketball, and I loved our little old, old gym. It always felt cozy in there when we were, when the, everybody was playing. And um, uh, I remember Coach Coy Smith, who was the basketball coach when I was in high school. He was so good. He was a great teacher also, but he was a great coach and we had some phenomenal players. And then Clinton was there, Clinton Graham. And we've had some really good successes. Maybe we haven't had a ton of people go on to college. I know Rob did and play and we've had some others, 
But um, I still like basketball, too. I like to go, and my granddaughter plays now. So you were there teaching when we had the transition from the old football field to the new football field. Mm -hmm. And then I think you were probably there when we transitioned from the old gym to the new gym. No, it was after I left. Mm -hmm. But you were there then when the baseball field moved from on campus to basically being over at the lake. Yes, yes. My son was, uh, Matt was in high school then. But he was on the first, he was played on the field, first one team on the field over there. At the lake. At the lake, yes. And he helped, um, he helped build it and his dad and the fences and, you know, they did everything, whatever there was to do. When you were in school in the 60s, was the cafeteria still in the gymnasium or was it the new, the new cafeteria? No, it was down in, downstairs in the, in the gym where they eventually put special ed, but I don't know if there's any, whatever's down there now. But Well, there was even the girls' dressing room. Yeah, I think so. But yes, that's where the cafeteria was back then. And it was so crowded. You know, they had, even back then, we had to have different lunch periods. Nobody could, you couldn't go to lunch altogether. There was just no way. But um, yeah, that's what we did. Talk about then even summer memories. When I was in high school, of course, um, when, um, when July ro- rolled around, then we started band practices. And it was so, 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 so hot. But we didn't care because we got to see our friends, you know? And um, and we always had a lot of fun at band practice and probably stayed later than we were supposed to, just horsing around, nothing. I mean, it was all innocent fun, but, you know. Uh, and those are the memories that I remember most. The Sylvania, the picnic, I remember on the 4th of July. Um, I didn't live in Sylvania, but... But we always came to the picnic, and it was so much fun. You got, and again, you got to see people, your friends that you hadn't seen maybe since school was out. So you got to see them. It's kind of getting you, you know, back into the groove of band camp coming up and all that kind of stuff. There were cars parked everywhere, and I remember Miss Grizel lived close by. And one time in particular, uh, we went with some friends of mine. And I went to the, uh, the picnic, and then we walked over to Miss Grizel's house. I'm sure she was one really glad to see us. But <laughs> anyway, um, we just had missed her. You know, she'd been our teacher, and so we went over to visit her. Uh, it was just fun, uh, lots of laughs, lots of rides that sometimes made you sick, but and lots of just plain old community. Hey, good to see you. You know, that's that's what Matt tried to do when he came back. With the, with the Wing Fest thing, was to bring the community together. And it's, it's still going on, even though he's not here. So hopefully he did something to help bring the community together. Now, when I was teaching there, summers were, summers were hard and easy. I was usually taking a class or two, a writing seminar or something like that to keep up, or an AP workshop. But I spent a lot of time with my kids. We did picnics at Sequoia. We'd, we'd go stay the whole day. We'd take our picnic lunch. And that's my favorite memories of summer. But I also... Um, and that includes, would you go to the pool at Sequoia? Yeah. We, that's where we'd go. Yeah. We'd go to the pool and um, we would stay. Sometimes we'd go in the cave occasionally. 
But most of the time, we we get out of the sun when it's really hot, um, and we would eat our lunch and that kind of thing. That's some of the best memories I have with my kids. Um, but I always had to prepare. Um, I always made myself read one huge book in the summer, just just for me. And I, I remember I read Aztec one summer, and and I read all the James Michener books in the summer when I had more time. And I didn't have to read what I was teaching, you know. Um, but I, there was a lot of preparedness. Of course, when August 1st rolls around, then you've got to start thinking about scope and sequence, your lesson plans. You've got to get make sure you've got everything in order. Your classroom is ready. The books are all numbered and stacked and ready to go. You have to start preparing August. So, yeah, summers were short, too short. <laughs> Talk to me about the holidays. Well, we usually had a harvest festival sometime in the end of October, 1st of November, um, and the PTO was in charge of that back then. I don't know who it is now or even if I have it. But, uh, so I was usually in, involved in that, and my room was always used for something, whether it was for telling fortunes or a, a haunted house or whatever. You know, we, A lot of us participated in that, and so that's one of the good things I remember. Um, of course, rolling yards, they did that a lot back then, and it was all in fun. I'm not sure now if they if they still do that or if it's all in fun. No, I don't know. Growing up, I, I, I remember we didn't roll yards. That was that was later, and that came into be. Uh, but we had hay rides, and, you know, usually with our church groups, and uh, wiener roasts, things like that. Um, Christmas, there's a lot of, there was a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, Christmas was a special. Um, I always did a concert with my choir at Christmas, and we would do, part of it would be religious music and part of it would be traditional music. We'd switch it up. Uh, well, well, not switch it up. We'd do one and then the other sometimes. You know, we'd, that's the way we did that. Um, I was always grateful for Christmas break to come around because I was usually exhausted because we always had work day and we had grades to get out and all that kind of stuff. So the pleasure mixed with work, you know, there was always work involved. But I did so enjoy being out with my kids during Christmas. That's one of the reasons I love teaching so much. I love the teaching, but I also like the time that it provided me with my children. Now, one of the things, we were a, we were a K-12 school. And, and so the elementary teachers, um, their last week before Christmas, they didn't have to give semester tests or grade those papers. So their kids sometimes wouldn't come the last couple of days. The high school teachers were under enormous pressure to get everything, all the grades and grade sheets. And it was really complicated. There was nothing on computer back then. And I remember I would always, grading, I mean, English, I always took it seriously. So my tests were legitimate. And so uh, I always had a lot of papers to grade, a lot of to record, to average, to all this stuff. And some of my elementary friends, like Ann Jones, would come down or come up to my classroom and help me. And some of my teacher's aides would come in on the day they were out to help me, you know, just with whatever I needed. Uh, it, it was, and of course, mother was there for a while and she helped. It was it was really hard. Talk about the transition of technology. I would say not just as a teacher, but 
primarily as a teacher, but even as a parent, and then as someone, again, that you're a student here, you, you watch kind of technology unfold for the community. You know, talk a little bit about that, about I can even think about the old... Oh, the mimeograph machine. Yeah. Purple. I and, ruined and a lot no of clothes one, on No that. one can see us, but we're doing a hand, crank, hand, hand crank. crank motion. Yes. And, and all the purple dial. Yes, and I, and I was so messy that I always got it on my clothes. That uh, Transitioning from that was wonderful. Um, but I remember the copier. That helped a lot. That came before we got the computers. And so the copier was a big thing. And I could type pretty fast, so I, I did okay with that. When the computer started coming out, I was I really didn't know. I wasn't prepared for it. But I soon realized that I, I had to learn. I, I mean, I had to transition myself. It wasn't easy. Um, but I, I saw how fast it was to do my tests. So, so much easier. I could look stuff up so much quicker. Um, I could even tell when kids were plagiarizing much easier because I could pull I could put a line in from a sentence and it would pop up. So I knew where it came from. You know, I mean, it was, um, it had good things and bad things. But when I, I went from um, teaching to working for AEA, I had to, uh, uh, he said, the guy, I remember he said um, something about, you're going to have to do a lot of spreadsheets. And I said, okay, I can do that. I didn't even know what a spreadsheet was, but I knew I was going to learn. <laughs> So, you know, I just learned and putting grades on um, was much easier. When I went to Hazel Green, they were much more um, up on that kind of stuff. And so you had to put grades in and that kind of thing. So it forces you to get into it. I mean, you can't just say, I'm not going to do it. Because if you do, you get left behind. Yeah. Can you remember when satellite dishes started being adopted and then even <laughs> video stores and video rental and having people having video cassette players in their homes and, you know, disc players mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing? You're I remember the old eight track tape things. I had when I had one in my car, I had a gold car and uh, it had an eight track in it. And boy, I thought I was uptown with that, you know. And then, you know, we transitioned from that to the little cassette tapes. And then to the CDs, and I still have some things on cassette tape that I really need to get put on a CD or something. And now I'm not even sure they use CDs. You don't see them in the store much anymore. They use mostly just streaming or I don't know right, what they use. Service, yeah. But it's just uh, it's just a totally different world. But you got to adapt. You can't just say be stubborn and say you're not going to. Video rentals were the thing when my boys and Wendy were in school. Mostly my boys, Wendy. Uh, she was always so busy. I don't remember too much about doing a lot of videos. But when Matt was in high school, especially, videos were the thing. And we'd go to Finley's and rent videos um, on a Friday. And maybe we'd rent three, you know. Maybe it was for a certain amount of money. I don't remember. But you had to have them back on Monday. And so he, his friends would come over. Sometimes we'd have, I don't know, 10 of his friends, male and female, and they would watch movies all night long. But I knew where they were. And they were fine. And they were, it was just buddies. They were, you know, no hanky-panky or anything like that. And so I knew where they were. And that we saw lots of, lots and lots and lots of movies. And, and now I hear Matt the other day, I, Matt was talking about his, his kids had never seen The Money Pit. And it came on one of the, I don't know, Netflix or something. 
And he said they laughed and laughed and laughed. He said they don't make movies like that anymore. But it was fun to go rent the videos at Finley's. I miss Finley's. That was a big part of growing up, uh, of our lives. But when I was in high school, you know, we had we had a little a little restaurant in Sylvania, right there close to the school, that um, that made hamburgers and things like that. So we could walk down after practice and get a hamburger or something. That was nice. That's one of the things I want to ask everybody about is try to think of something that that is gone from Sylvania, whether it's a place, you know, whether it's a business, a house, or an event, mm-hmm. or even a person. You know, if there's a person, event, place, something that you're like, that that is gone and it needs to not be forgotten. There's so many. Well, Finley's for one, because that was the grocery store. But Mary Whiteside also had a little grocery store there when I was in high school and her her daughter was in the band with me and that was a big part of Sylvania, you know. Um, now tell me, tell me where that was. And- that was uh, across from Finley's, kind of, kind of in the corner there, of of where you turn to go to school in '75. Right there, is where it was, and um, that was the gathering place. Of course, Mary's gone. The Finleys are gone. I don't know. There's so many people. There's so many people gone now that it's all the teachers that I taught with that have gone on. You know, I miss uh, there being places together there isn't in Sylvania right now if unless you go to the park you can go to the park but even the parking for the ball games is awful and um, you can go to the lake and sometimes you'll see people you know you know around the lake but they don't do the uh, very many lake events you like we used to do the um, uh, Miss Sylvania Lake remember and uh, the band would do a big day of it and they would have a car show, and they would have watermelon eating contests and things like that. And that's missing. There, there's a lot of things that need to be brought back. You made me think of somebody that I think of who is gone and sort of shouldn't be forgotten is Bill Noble. Yes. <laughs> can you can you talk a little bit about tell who Bill Noble was? Uh-huh. And- Bill Noble was um, an in- very interesting person. Um, he, um, he he was definitely unique, and uh, and he was a biology teacher. He taught biology, and yes, and um, I was a senior sponsor with him, and he was in ways he was like a little boy. He he was an only child. His father was a doctor, and uh, his father had left him and his mother, and so his mother had pretty much you know that was his life was his mother. And an incident I remember uh, was the day his mother died. My principal, who was Weldon Parish, came down to my room and he said that Bill's mother had died. And he said, I want you to go down there. And I said, me? And uh, he's like, yes, Bill needs some help and I need you to go down there. I've got somebody to stay with your class. So I didn't question it. I got my purse and I went down there and he was a mess. I got out of my car and he came running down the sidewalk like a little boy, and into my arms. He was so heartbroken. He couldn't do anything. I, um, we went back in the house. I helped him get a list together of people he needed to call. I went into her bedroom. I picked out a gown and a, whatever he told me he wanted her to have on. I picked out everything for her, even her teeth, which she had at the house, and went with him to the funeral home to make the arrangements, Went with him to the um, um, 
newspaper because he had this big elaborate write-up he had done uh, to take. And then I took him back to the house to start calling people. And I went to, I think it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I bought chicken and stuff because I knew people would be coming in. So I bought food and took it back. That's that's my main memories of him. He he was um, he was good to work with, um, and he took his job as senior sponsor very seriously. And he, he was a friend. He was a unique. Is there anybody else you know that you can think of from Sylvania that maybe you know has gone? Whether it's from your parents' generation or somebody that was just again a teacher that you had, or even that was a colleague oh. that that you think I got to talk about this person. One um, is Miss Obel Benefield, who was my home ec teacher, and she was rough. And anybody who had her in the 60s will tell you, we scrubbed those floors with Brillo pads. She was so proud of that place, and she wanted everything in pristine order. Um, but I have a lot of good memories. She taught me how to entertain, how to cook, you know, make fancy little things that we didn't make at home, and how to decorate, even down to how to hang pictures. You know, so she was, and then later she was my colleague and she, um, she's the one that got me into directing the choir. And so I have a lot of good memories of her, both as um, a teacher and as a colleague. Same with Miss Grizzle. Miss Grizzle was one of my favorite English teachers and, um, and she made me love literature. And so, and, and Miss Blancett too. And then I got, I was privileged to get to teach with her for the first about five years that I taught. Maybe not quite that long. I can't remember for sure. Uh, another one I have to re- I have to bring up is Barnett Wilson. I knew Barnett for many, 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 many years. He was I, I want to say he was one of the principals at, at High Point when I was in little in elementary school. But then, of course, when I went to Sylvania, he was my teacher. He taught me Alabama history, and then later he taught me chemistry. I know that has no nothing to do with each other but that's the two years I had him and then he helped me sometimes study for tests when I was in college at Northeast and getting ready to transfer to Jacksonville he would quiz me and help me get ready for tests and then he was my assistant principal uh, for all those years so I knew him in a lot of uh, different capacities both as a friend and as as a colleague and a, as a, my administrator but I always had a lot of affection and regard for Barnett Wilson and Weldon Parish good people so many good people oh I got one that I want to ask you about or, there's two of them to ask about but there's one that's kind of funny dry county <laughs> <laughs> the wettest dry county around I have a funny story about that you know um Henniger is wet now. And I remember I was going to um, to Henniger to um, get my granddaughter or take my granddaughter to school or something anyway. So I get to right before the Henniger Baptist Church, and there's this guy holding up a sign that says, Vote No. And though I go a little bit, I mean, not even a quarter of a mile, and there's a guy holding up a beer can, and the guy beside him saying, vote yes. And I thought, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then, of course, it went wet. But it had been wet, you know, a long time ago. And I knew that uh, in Sylvania there were bootleggers, and, and I taught some of their kids. And I remember um, I was doing um, The Sound of Music at Northeast, and it was um, 
it was in late, late fall, and I had allergies really bad. And the other main nuns, we called them, the ones that had speaking part, we were all just really having problems. And I had a girl in my class, and she said, she said, uh, Miss Putnam, you need some whiskey. And I said, Well, honey, I don't, I don't, I don't have any whiskey. And she said, She said, Let me see, let me call home and see if I can get some. She went, she picked up, we went out to the band room. She picked up the phone. She said, Grandma, <laughs> she said, Grandma, you got any whiskey? And she said, Yeah. And she said, Miss Putnam needs some for her voice. And so she, her, her grandmother mixed up some lemon juice and whiskey. I don't know. She mixed up a pretty good little bottle for us. And I took it that night to uh, Northeast and we would warm up in this little, we went in the, the old shower room, dressing room. And we would get in the shower to do our warm-ups for our music and stuff. We passed that bottle around. We were all dressed up in full nun costume. <laughs> Is there any memory that jumps out of you with Sylvania with snow? I remember we prayed for snow days. It was always fun when you got to be out of school and the kids got to go outside and build a snowman. and You made snow cream and you just acted like it was a the most wonderful thing in the world, which it was for us because it's such a novelty. The last big storm we had when um, Matt was in, was it 93? I had a I had a house full of boys. We'd been to a bas- baseball game at New Hope. And uh, John said, um, all these boys were coming home with him to spend the night. And I said, son, there is, I think there's going to be a snowstorm I said, I, I think, you know, maybe they ought to go home. No, they want to be at the house if there's a snowstorm. And dummy me said, well, okay. So I ended up with like four or five boys besides my own at my house. If you have it or when you have this conversation with people who are not from North Alabama, you know, and you're trying to explain Sylvania and the community, what would you want them to take away about Sylvania and understand about Sylvania and the place and the people? I'm really proud um, of the people here and the community. It's beautiful here. The lake is absolutely gorgeous. We have four defined seasons. I've had students go to Harvard, become big lawyers, doctors, writers, winning Pulitzers and all kinds of things, playwrights. And it all comes from our little community. There's so much intelligence here and talent. I want the community to keep focusing on that. And the way you do that is you make sure that your public school is healthy, that it is demanding the best, hiring the best. And you know, that's, that's my hope for Sylvania. I want to thank Jan Stevens, not only for agreeing to get Sylvania Stories started for us, but also for making a difference in my life. She's been a constant source of encouragement to me through the years, and she's inspired me to read more, learn more, and to see more. I'm Steve Jones, and until next time, keep collecting those stories. Stories.